Trust me, I'm like a smart person. From The Conversation, this is Trust Me, I'm an Expert, a podcast where we ask the academic experts to take us behind the news headlines. I'm Sananda Cray. You've got to have a migration program that enables the country and its infrastructure and its services to keep pace with that growth. So these are important choices, energy, positive, future-focused and united. We are but a few weeks out from a federal election, and the way the wind is blowing probably depends on what state you're in. Trust Me, along with another conversation podcast, Politics with Michelle Grattan, you should check it out by the way, we're bringing you state-focused podcast episodes as polling day approaches. And here in New South Wales, where I am today, there is no shortage of drama, plot twists and intrigue. To catch us all up on it, I spoke to a self-described political tragic who knows the ins and outs of politics in the Premier State. I'm Andy Marks. I'm a political scientist and assistant vice-chancellor at Western Sydney University. Dr Marks told me there are some really important policy issues that will be front of mind for voters as they head to the polls on May 18. New South Wales is a strange case. It's the usual suspects in terms of issues, but not in the usual way. So we're seeing the economy feature, but we're not hearing too much in the way of uh, big ticket reform. We are hearing some of that from Labor, of course. And it's not about fiscal performance. That's not winning votes anymore. It's about issues like cost of living. It's about issues like wage stagnation. And then at the other end, you have issues around negative gearing reform and franking credits, um, which are more at the investment uh, end. So a very unusual take on the economy in terms of elections. Uh, The other issues to feature, of course, Labor have made it about health in terms of cancer care and the package they have there. Alternatively, the Libs have sought to bring it back towards uh, security and issues around border protection, of course, that we saw with John Howard coming into the campaign on the weekend. The big sleeper is climate. Um, And it's a sleeper in the sense that uh, it's coming to the fore from a number of angles. So we've seen the issue of energy reform come up from industry, who are madly seeking for uh, coherent energy policy from both sides of uh, of the parliament. We're seeing the issue of the environment played out with issues like Adani. um, And water, of course, is the big one in terms of agriculture and and rural electorates across the country. So there's three different lenses being applied, but they all come up in terms of how both sides address the issue of climate. You mentioned negative gearing there, you know, Sydney being the centre of the property boom in Australia. People here seem to be mortgaged up to their eyeballs, lots of people negatively gearing. Do you think that issue might be a decider for some Sydney voters who do take advantage of that policy? Look, negative gearing will factor uh, on the minds of many voters, but not in the areas or the seats, for example, that are are pressure cookers. Um, So they're not going to swing seats. Um, I think, for example, certainly among the retirement community, those issues, particularly around the franking credits um, matter, are of importance. The housing market in Sydney and, and I guess across the eastern states more broadly is softening anyway ahead of this measure and it's it's hard to de- tie a definitive link to that and the coming reforms should Labor win government. But um, it's not an issue that's going to turn swinging seats but it will factor into some more rusted on voters. And speaking of seats, what do you see as the key seats to watch? Look, I've taken a look across New South Wales and I reckon there's about five that are up for a change. And at the outset, I have to say, this election won't be won or lost in New South Wales. It's most likely Queensland, where you have up to eight seats on margins of 4% or less that'll decide it. And Victoria, there'll be some significant movement as well. But there's about five that I'm looking at in New South Wales in terms of potential change. Wentworth, of course, is the big one, uh, the contest between Karen Phelps and Dave Sharma. Um, Lindsay, where uh, Emma Hussar has been 
moved aside through misconduct allegations and you have a contest there in outer Western Sydney. Uh, Banks, the Immigration Minister, faces a challenge there on 1.4%. And then we move into some coastal or regional seats, Gilmore, where former ALP uh, President Warren Mundine's running against Labor's Fiona Phillips, and Robertson on the Central Coast, which is held by just 1.1% by the Libs. So they're the ones where I think you can see some movement. Now, the exciting stuff um, in terms of drama, Warringah, of course, where uh, former PM Tony Abbott's facing a challenge, and Reid, where Turnbull back at Craig Laundie turned that razor-thin margin into a, almost um, a moderately safe seat for, for the Libs, and that's up in play again as well. So you mentioned Gilmore. That's uh, an area that takes in places like, you know, Shoalhaven, Jarvis Bay, Jervis Bay, um, some of those Batemans Bay type of areas. Tell us what are some of the issues that uh, will be in voters' minds in that area? Look, that's a difficult one to pick. It's it's really a four-way contest. So you have uh, the candidate in Warren Mundine essentially parachuted in by Morrison um, and the controversy there, of course, being his former role with Labor. You also have, though, uh, Katrina Hodgkinson, who was a former Nationals New South Wales minister and really reputable um, individual running against um, the Labor candidate in Fiona Phillips and Grant Schultz, the Lib-turned-independent who was passed over by Mundine. So it's interesting in the sense that uh, the way the vote splits um, over the course of the election um, w- will be something to watch. Um, and it's really one that's um, very uncertain for all players. And you mentioned Reid, which takes in Canada Bay, Burwood, Strathfield, currently held by Craig Laundie for the Liberals. He's been, I guess, somewhat of a comparatively moderate voice. Um, and so what do you think will be the issues there? Look, Reid's an interesting one. Um, Laundie was an incredibly strong local member and he stood up against his own party's attempted reforms of the Anti-Discrimination Act. That area really was lost to Labor in, in uh, the New South Wales election due to comments made by the uh, Labor opposition leader around uh, Asians taking jobs, uh, which is really retrograde comments on his part. Um, so the momentum probably was with Labor. Whether voters are forgiven the foibles of the state um, party, though, will remain to be seen. But that's a big loss to the Libs uh, in, in Craig Laundie moving on. I wanted to ask you about the seat of Farrah. That's a, a regional seat, takes in places like um, Hay, Murrumbidgee, um, some of those areas around the Murray-Darling, the central Darling. With the seat of Farrah, what do you think are some of the issues there? Look, Farrah's an interesting one. You wouldn't be talking about an electorate with a 20% plus margin um, as being one that's uh, up, up for grabs, but it is. You know, we saw swings in the state election against the coalition of up to 26% in Murray, 19% in Barwon, and around uh, 37% in uh, Wagga, so in Orange, sorry. So these rural electorates are very volatile, and the issue of water management, of course, is the dominant thread across a seat like uh, Farrah, but it's a diverse seat. So you have uh, areas like Albury where unemployment's very high, educational attainment's quite low, economic activity has been suppressed, if you like, through uh, the the drought. Um, So the issues across that electorate are incredibly diverse. And equally, you don't have, uh, in the New South Wales case, we had the Shooters, uh, Fishers and Farmers Party running against the Nats quite successfully in three seats. They're not a consolidated force at the federal level. Um, really Farrah's in play because of the um, Albury Mayor, Kevin Mack, who's, who's running the, the strongest challenge against Susan Lay. She's held onto that seat since 2001, and it's Tim Fisher's old seat, so it should be a sure bet for them. Um, but look, this is a suddenly a, a seat that's in play. 
So you mentioned water being an issue in the seat of Farah, and certainly that's shaping up to be an issue across the board. If you believe what you read on social media, suddenly everybody's talking about water buybacks, and we've had the big story breaking around the water buybacks issue that involved Barnaby Joyce. Mm. I'm interested to know what you think on how that issue may influence voters in the lead-up to polling day. Look, there's already a bit of disaffection dis, uh, towards the Nationals. I think their own internal uh, troubles around leadership and, and the other controversies they've had around Andrew Broad and other figures um, have given weight to the perception that their mind's not on the game um, and they've taken their eye off the ball in terms of the concerns of rural voters. So um, that's why we are seeing such um, a pronounced reaction against them in some seats. Whether that anger was spent at uh, the New South Wales election and, and the earlier Victorian poll remains to be seen. I, I can't see a repeat of the swings we saw in, in the state election here, um, but certainly some very um, generous margins will, will be, uh, you know, really damaged, I think. So let's talk about Warringah, where Tony Abbott's facing that strong challenge from independent Zali Stegall, um, who's been supported by GetUp in her campaign. And that's also become a point of uh, contention and a point of attack for her political foes. How do you see it playing out? Look, there's no doubt it's going to be a contest and Zali Stegall will take it down to the wire. People need to um, be aware, though, that Tony Abbott loves a fight um, and shifting him on that margin of over 11% is going to be incredibly difficult. It's not like Benelong, for example, where we saw John Howard go as a result of demographic shifts and other factors. Um, And it's not like Wentworth, where, of course, uh, Turnbull stepped aside. But uh, a former PM, even one that's controversial, still attracts some traction among voters. Um, and Zali Stegall's done well in opening the debate up into issues that challenge, um, I guess, the principles that Tony Abbott's put forward. So forcing him, to, for example, to talk more about climate, to talk more about issues where uh, he's clearly um, a little uncomfortable has been a good tactic on her part. And, and obviously the, the work of groups like GetUp will influence um, things as well. I just can't see it shifting. I think Tony Abbott is too is far too an, an experienced player to to um, go down without a fight. And this is the guy that uh, loves to be backed into a corner. So uh, I might be proven wrong, but I think uh, he'll just hang on in Moringa. And you mentioned former PMs. Speaking of which, let's talk about Wentworth. Do you think voters will punish the coalition for turfing out Malcolm Turnbull? You know, we saw Turnbull's son, Alex Turnbull, actively encouraging people not to vote for the Liberal candidate, Dave Sharma. And, uh, you know, as it turned out, Karen Phelps did win that seat. So how will things play out there? Wentworth's an interesting one. I like to call it the contest for the soul of the Liberal Party because really it's about whether they choose to push forward in a progressive way or or they revert more to those hard-right tendencies that we've seen in recent times. Um, The thing to watch at Wentworth will be whether Phelps has managed to translate in a really short time frame uh, that protest vote into a base. Um, And that means she has to have really strong points of differentiation on issues like climate, um, on issues like immigration and border protection, which she's uh, to a very large extent done on the latter issue, um, whether that's enough to, to shift people um, across for good remains to be seen. That's one that's too hard to call. So, Andy Marks, what's your prediction? Who do you think is going to win this federal election? Look, Labor will win this election. Uh, I think that's virtually unquestionable. We're just not seeing enough uh, movement, even in the polls at this point in the primary vote level, uh, to see the Libs or the Coalition uh, hang on. So I think this is going to be um, a Labor victory. 
even with news polls saying it's tightening as the as the voting day draws closer? Yeah, look, I, you don't really. Um, you you have to look again at the, that primary vote figure. And earlier in April, we we saw exactly the same primary vote polling as we as we saw uh, on the weekend. So there hasn't really been a discernible shift. You need to see a gap open up, you know, to the degree of around about five or six points for for the uh, coalition to even look like. Um, hanging on. So with the the coalition on 38 um, and Labor on 37, I don't see it shifting sufficiently for there to be a change in the momentum. And let's talk about the upper house. What do you see as the issues to watch there? Look, that's an interesting one from the New South Wales point of view. Jim Molan, arguably their highest profile uh, senator, finds himself in an unwinnable spot on their ticket, uh, largely due to reforms that he instigated. Uh, internal party reform. So it's a big ask there for, for, for somebody to get up. You know, you're going to require a quota in excess of 14% uh, of the vote to, to get a spot. Um, Brian Burston's the other interesting one, a former One Nation representative now with Clive Palmer's outfit. So, uh, and he's their parliamentary leader um, in the House. So it, very interesting contest there. Um, and you have Doug Cameron, a long-standing uh, senator for Labor, retiring and Tony Sheldon, former Transport Worker Union Secretary, coming in um, on his spot. And just lastly, what do you want to say about preferences? Do you think preferences will make a big difference in this election? Look, there's no doubt that the question around where uh, the United Australia Party's preferences flow um, has been a dominant issue in Queensland. I don't see it being a sufficient weight to to shift um, the momentum, which, again, in those marginal electorates, up to eight of them, is all with Labor at the moment. So it will make things a little trickier to call earlier, but I still see things going Labor's way in in those uh, key seats. Any final comments? Oh, look, this uh, is a contest where, you know, New South Wales will provide plenty of action, but it's not going to be the place where it's won or lost, um, but it's certainly going to be the place of high drama. Andy Marks, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Andy Marks, political scientist and assistant vice-chancellor at Western Sydney University. Trust Me, I'm an Expert is a podcast from The Conversation. If you like today's episode, please do go and check out Politics with Michelle Grattan, where she's speaking to other experts about key issues driving votes in WA and Victoria. I know we've been doing a lot of politics stuff here on Trust Me lately, but don't worry, we've also got some completely unpolitical podcast episodes coming out soon on science and health and other weird and wonderful stories from the world of academic research. So please do stay tuned. We're out every other week. Our theme beats are by Uncle Ho from Elephant Tracks, and you can see all of our coverage, election-themed or otherwise, on our website at theconversation.com.